0: Good evening brothers and sisters. It's great to see everyone at midweek from Brooklyn and Staten Island. I hope you've had a great week. Um, I've known now for a couple of weeks the announcement that uh, Wale just made. And um, Sam Powell is one of my heroes, and uh, it's been a it's been a very tough last two weeks. I'm, I can't lie. And truth be told, I've tried to talk him out of it, uh, but it's time. Um, I am. Um, uh, I want to play the video that we all saw at the 40th anniversary tonight and then i'll i'll take it from there i love the way that video ends and uh that's the title of my lesson tonight when we look back to see what god has done in the church here in new york these last 40 years all the sacrifice all the love all the compassion And to see how far God has brought us. And um, to think about the next 40 years. And like I was saying to you guys in Brooklyn on Sunday, (laughs) I I will not be here in the next 40 years. Uh, I will be in paradise with my brothers and sisters that have gone on. But uh, all I can see in front of me right now is the next 10 years. And so, I want us to talk about the next 10 years, what the next 10 years I'm praying is going to look like in Brooklyn and in Staten Island. Again, my wife and I, we came back from Africa really inspired, again, to see what God is doing on the continent and has done, again, because of your sacrifice over all these years. And I couldn't wait to get to that anniversary service. It was tremendous. It was electric. Um, that was my first time seeing the entire New York City church since we moved here. And I'm so thankful for everything God has done and continues to do. And so we need to ask ourselves, before we start talking about the next 10 years, I want us to very quickly look at the impact of the New York City church. Because of this church, brothers and sisters, we now have disciples all over the world. We have disciples in Africa in 109 countries. We have disciples in the Caribbean in 13 countries. Africa is now divided into five regions, West Africa, French West Africa, Central Africa, East Africa, and Southern Africa. 109 countries, excuse me, 109 churches. That's a typo, I'm sorry. 38 countries, over 14,000 disciples on the continent. At this time, I have a prayer request. I want us to be praying for our sister Agnes. She and her husband lead the church in Abidjan. His name is Kofi. She was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and it appears like it has now metastasized. And she's going to be getting on a plane to go to Paris to get more effective medical treatment. So please, I ask you to pray for your sister Agnes. Wonderful, wonderful couple. Wonderful, wonderful sister. Been doing a tremendous job leading the women in Abidjan the last several years. As a result of the New York City Church, we also have 3,200 disciples in countries all over the Caribbean. Caribbean, in 13 countries. Your prayers, your financial sacrifice over the last 40 years, made it happen. And personally, as an evangelist, as a missionary, I want to thank you for everything you've done and continue to do. But at that 40th anniversary service, I started to ask myself some questions. What's next for Brooklyn and Staten Island? I started to ask myself, why did God save me and allow me to be a part of his church? And I've been a Christian now 37 years. I started to ask myself, do I really totally understand God's mission? And by extension, I'm asking you the same question tonight. Do you really understand your mission? In a sense, I've been looking back and also looking forward and asking myself, what will the next 40 years look like? What will the next 10 years look like? And for me, I do better when I break things down in decades. And I'm praying that all of us will understand tonight that we're a small part of God's story where we're asking ourselves, what is God up to? At a conference, several decades ago, a dear friend handed me a book titled The Purpose Driven Life. What on earth am I here for? It was written by Rick Warren. The first line in the book says, it's not about you. It's not about you. It grabbed me immediately. Later on in the book, it also says, you weren't put on earth to be remembered. You were put here to prepare for eternity. I read the book and I've recommended, recommended it to many people over the years. I obviously don't agree with everything it says, especially about salvation. This idea that you can just preach just into your heart. It's not, it's not in scripture. And so if I give you a copy of that book and you turn to that section, I crossed it all out, that whole section. But there's a lot of good stuff in the book. Do we really understand why we are here on this earth? And so what is the next several decades and decades of my life going to look like? I decide that. As a collective, we decide that as a church in Genesis chapter one, beginning verse 27, it says, so God created mankind in his image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Brothers and sisters, for you and I to understand our story, we must begin with God's story. Right from the beginning, scripture teaches that God created us in his image. He created us male and female. We were created in the likeness of God. First John four sixteen says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Brothers and sisters, since God is love and we bear that image, we are called to fill our daily lives with love. We also know first John chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Again, since God is light, what kind of light am I reflecting to this lost world? Can others around me see the light of Christ in me? Remember, we're image bearers. We must understand and remember every day that we're image bearers of God. We know the story. In Genesis chapter 3, Satan shows up and messes up God's perfect creation by getting Adam and Eve to sin. The first Adam fell and messed up. And God would later send a second, the last Adam, in the person of Jesus to restore mankind as image bearers. That's what's going on here. Later on, we're introduced to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and the story goes on. In this account that we're all very familiar with, God made Abraham several promises. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse. And he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God kept every promise he made to Abraham. It is through Abraham that God said he would bless the world. In other words, God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, go do what I asked Adam and Eve to do. You now go. You are now, you are now my image bearer. And all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. God also tells Abraham in Genesis 15. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put that slide up. In Genesis 15, verse 1, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your sovereign. Your reward will be very great. I started this out while we are away. And I was so excited because right after this, that's when he tells Abraham to step outside and to, to look up at the stars and to see And asked him, you know, can you count the stars? So shall your offspring be. Brothers, sisters, you and I are descendants of Abraham. We're bearing the same image of Yahweh. I'll preach about it one of these days. God also tells Abraham in this account that his descendants will be slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And then he's going to bring them out to inherit the land that he promised in Genesis chapter 12. God was basically saying he's going to get worse before it gets better. Fast forward to Abraham giving birth to Isaac. And then Isaac gave birth to Jacob. And then Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. And you know the story of Joseph, how he was his favorite son. And his brother sold him into slavery. And Joseph ends up in Egypt. Brothers and sisters, that was not an accident. As you and I read the scriptures, none of this is accident. God is telling us his story. And you and I, believe it or not, we are part of that story. We're God's image bearers to this dark and messed up world. That's what this is. Obviously, The Israelites end up moving to Egypt, they multiply. And indeed, yes, they were enslaved there for 400 years. And then, at the height of the the, the slavery and the the oppression, that's when Yahweh decided, I'm going to bring the deliverer into the world in the person of Moses. Moses grows up, spends the first 40 years in Egypt. You know the story. Then he spends the next 40 years in exile. And that's when God showed up and says, you know what, I got a job for you. I want you to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And you know the story. We tell it to our kids when we put them down to bed about the 12 plagues and how God brought them out with a mighty power. And God led them through the Red Sea. And they were out in the desert, in the wilderness, and they started to doubt God. And they rebelled against God. So much so that God got so upset, he was going to wipe them all out. Moses had to intercede on their behalf. But they said, you know what? None of these people that have treated me with content will ever see the promised land. And it caused them to wander in the desert for 40 years. All those adults who doubted God all died in the desert except for Joshua and Caleb. Brothers and sisters, it is a horrible thing to rebel against God. And you've heard me say so many times our journey is very similar to theirs. You and I were enslaved in sin, and then God brought us, God brought us out and saved us. And this life, as we're living it, even on this earth, quote unquote, this is our wilderness. And it saddens me that many that started this journey are no longer here. Now you and I need to go back and pray for them and reach out to them and tell them to come back to their God. It wasn't you they sinned against. It wasn't me they sinned against. They sinned against God. And when they come back into the fellowship, we need to welcome them with open arms. The parable of the brother Son is in the Bible for a reason. The parable of the lost coin is in the scriptures for a reason. The parable of the lost sheep is in the scriptures for a reason. Because that's the kind of God that we're serving. But he wiped out all those people. It was their kids who grew up. Joshua now took over. And God said to him, you know what? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. All I'm asking you is not to be afraid to be strong and courageous. says, nobody will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. And it was Joshua who now led them into the promised land. And you know the story. And then, you know, God again parted the Jordan River so they could cross. And they started the conquest with Jericho. It was all part of God's plan so that his people will continue to bear his image and to reflect his image to this lost world. And at the end of Joshua's life in Joshua 24, this is one of my favorite Old Testament verses. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living in. But as for me and my household, We will serve the Lord. Brothers and sisters, every day, we have to decide. As for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. I will be God's image bearer. Around people, people around me at work, people in my apartment building, when I'm in the park, when I'm on the subway, everywhere I go, People need to see the image of God in us. You know, I remember having cancer surgery in Corpus Christi, Texas, and um, the doc, my doctor, told me it's just going to be 24 hours, and then I'll let you go home. And um, when I when they woke me up, I was in my room. Sarah was right there with me. Um, The nurses came in and said, "You know, you need to walk." I'm like, I'm in pain. He said, you need to to get up. Doctor's orders. So they put a a belt around me, and they held me in the back. And I had to go around and walk. And I came back and got back into bed. And I I felt like I'd I'd, I'd run 10 miles. The doctor came in, and he looked at me. He goes, you know what? I'm going to keep you here for another night. You're in no shape to go home. And that's what he did. Sarah was there in the hospital with me. She spent both nights with me in the hospital. and. Well, on one of the evenings, this nurse comes in, male guy, male, male nurse, very nice guy, and I'm just, I'm just telling him thank you. For, as he's doing on, as he's doing his stuff, and uh, Sarah started to talk to him, and uh, reached out to him and invited him to church, and he said, you know what? I've come in here severally. and when Sarah invited him to church, he just smiled. He goes, I knew there was something about you guys. There was just something, and I couldn't describe it. And I say that not to boast. Even in in that hospital, as we were there, we were image bearers. He saw something. Where whatever it is that's going on in our lives, no matter how bad it is, we're hurting. People need to see the image of God in us. The idea of continuing to be an image bearer is a choice. This is why I invite people to church. This is why I I, I, quote unquote, I I invite people into my home. Because I want to talk to them about Christ. I want to talk to them about this awesome God that saved my soul and that I'm serving. And obviously, I use my Bible to help them. You know, uh, one of the pictures I put up on Sunday uh, was a brother named Dan Shiyuka. Dan Shiyuka was a guy that. After Sarah and I got married, um, she said, you know what? I ran into this guy. You know, he owns his own computer business. You know, my my wife was a computer science major. And uh, could you reach out to him? And so I started reaching out to him. It took me five years. He reminded me on this trip. I'd I'd, I'd forgotten how long it was. It took me five years to convert him. The brother we were staying with, um, George, that put us up in Nairobi, it took me two years but they're still here because not everybody's going to get converted in a month. And I'll say it again, it's what I call friendship evangelism. I finally, even on this trip, there's, a, there's, a, there's an activist that uh, I finally got my book over to him um, on this trip. I met him over 25 years ago where one day, one evening, I'm listening to the evening news, and there he was, very articulate. He's a lawyer also. And I sat there and I'm going, wow, man, this guy needs to become a Christian. And I started to pray that God would allow me to meet him. Not quite one week later, I'm coming out of a a, a building, and I heard his voice, and I turned and I said, I mean, there he is. He was talking to somebody. And so I moved close. I stood about 10 feet away, but he could see me. And I just stood there and I waited. And so when he was done with that guy, I stepped forward, I introduced myself. I said, sir, I said, I saw you on the news a week ago and I started to pray that I would meet you. And there he was. Brilliant fellow. I say all that to say, I've known him for over 25 years. He's not far from the kingdom of God. He's not far from the kingdom of God. And so I'm saying to us for us to continue to be image bearers i'm humbled every day to realize that i am a part of god's story that you are a part of god's story and then we fast forward to the new testament and we come to the last adam that is jesus the anointed one throughout the entire old testament brothers and sisters god was attempting to restore his image in his people the israelites the prophets were sent to the Israelites, reminding them of who they were as image bearers in this messed up world. And then at the appointed time, the, the last Adam came onto the scene in the person of Jesus Christ. He comes and starts talking to us about God. He also claimed to be God. He said in John 14:10, He says, I and the Father are one. Then in John 20, verse 21, he said, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. What was Jesus sent to do? He was sent here to be a blessing to the world, to fulfill the promise God had made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. God trying to restore his image in mankind. That the first Adam had messed up. Then obviously in in Matthew 28. And in all the end of the Gospels. And I spoke about this a few months ago. And I titled that lesson. The last thing he told us. Says all authority in heaven and on earth. Has been given to me. Because of that. Go and make disciples of all nations. Of all peoples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And for me, that's the most important, exciting part of that whole command. That God is with me. The same God who was with Moses. The same God who was with Abraham. The same God who was with Joshua. Elijah. Elisha. Name it. That is who you and me call father every day. Do you understand what is going on? If we truly do, we're not going to be able to keep our mouth shut. If you truly understand this story that you and I are part of, we didn't do anything to deserve this. He saved us out of this messed up world and he calls us each by name. Brothers and sisters, there's no plan B. This is it. There's no plan B. There's no, there's no plan C. There's only one plan. That you and I have been image bearers. How are we going to change this world? Again, this is a Bible story in summary. I've showed this before, but I'm showing it again. Creation is Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And then the fall is Genesis chapter 3. This is the Bible story. It's very simple. And then we have redemptive history. It started in Genesis chapter 4 and it's still going on. All the way to Revelation chapter 20. And then in Revelation 21, we're going to see a new creation. The new Jerusalem. Again, this is one of my favorite passages in in, in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, I I, I got to read it. Because this is what keeps me going every day. This is what gets me out of bed every day. Oh, my goodness, my brothers and sisters, you've got to see this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. From God, prepared as a beautiful bride, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to hang in there. This story is almost over. You and I have been called to be image bearers. Our lives need to radiate God's love. Our lives need to radiate God's light. We are not meant to shine our own light. We are meant and called to reflect his. God is a missionary. He's always been a missionary. He came to this earth to tell us about his father. And then he turned the assignment over to us. This is why we always need to be about our father's business every single day. How are we gonna change this world? By changing lives, one person at a time. That's what it's gonna take. I landed at JFK in September, 1980 on my way to Bridgeport, Connecticut. I came to America to get a great education, to make a lot of money, and I vowed never to return to Africa, except for short visits to visit family and friends. Little did I know that God had a plan for my life. I have on the screen. Two of my heroes in the faith who are retiring from the full-time ministry at the end of this year. Brothers and sisters, the last several weeks has been very, very emotional for me. God used these brothers. <laughs> it's a power and my tolerable to change my life. I am happy for them, and like I said in the beginning, truth be told, I've tried several of you to try and talk some out of this, but it's time. He's 68 years old. Mike Tolliver is 64. As a young Christian. I decided to imitate three men. Two of them are on the screen, Sam Powell and Mike Toller. I was going to imitate their lives, their ministry, their marriage, their parenting, everything. And I did. The third brother's name is Ross McKenzie. And I've shared his name with you also. He lives in Atlanta. He serves as an elder in the North River Church but I fashioned my life as these men followed Christ. I didn't grow up in a Christian. home. Yes, my parents believed in God. Yes, I went to church on Sundays, but I, I, I didn't grow up in a church that was practicing this. Many of us did not. Some of us did. A few of us did. And so, when I met these brothers, I was like, man, i got to imitate them. And that's what I've done. These two brothers are responsible for who I am today. I called Sam on Monday. I'd gone on a prayer walk. And I came back. I was a mess. I called him up, tell him how I was feeling. He just listened. He said he was sorry the way I was feeling. And he goes, Richard, I'm not dead yet. And that just that just brought a smile to my face. I, I know I know you're not dead. But I love these men so much. They're amazing mentors and best friends of mine that have led by their personal, godly example, great husbands. Great fathers, incredible preachers. I mean, I can listen to both of them all day. They live and practice what they preach. In my view, I was taught and raised up by two of the best. They're two big brothers, best friends, and incredible mentors. I am thankful that they're only a phone call away a car ride away, one flight away. They both offer to continue to help me in my own personal life and in my personal ministry, but I am going to miss them. What impact and legacy will you leave in this world when your story is told? I have no doubt in my mind, and I believe thousands will be in heaven because of Mike Tolliver and Sam Powell because these two men have been incredible image bearers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I hope this lesson has been encouraging to you. We must continue to be the image bearers God has called us to be in Brooklyn and in Staten Island. And so we get to decide what the New York City Church is going to look like in the next 10 years and the next 40 years, it's up to us. Brothers and sisters, I praise God for your life. I am so thankful that we get to be in God's church together in this time in history. And I'm going to close with Joshua 24, verses 14 to 15. Joshua again says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates River and in in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You decide what the remaining lives of your earthly existence is going to look like. And I want you to remember that one day you will cross over to the other side. You shouldn't be afraid of death. Death is nothing except the door that we're all going to pass through to experience this incredible eternity that God has prepared for us. That's all it is. Our brother Sean Standback just went through it a few months ago. And God is gonna look at you and welcome you back home and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now come in and enjoy your master's happiness. I am going to ask our sister Casey Cumberbatch, Casey Cumberbatch, if you could lead us in a word of prayer. And after that, I invite us to go into our breakout rooms and